So Marge Simpson haircutted. Brake delivery man. McLaren enthusiast. William P. Turner. <laughs> I don't know if that's your middle initial, but it is now. It is now. Yeah. If you could describe your dinner with racers in one word, what would it be? Tacos. Oh, come on. No. You didn't I see that coming? No. Oh, God, what do you mean? We, had, we all be had Be original, tacos. man. We get oh, it. You like tacos. Original. It's not. It is original. It's been done. And now for Dinner with Racers, presented by Continental Tire. With your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Placeholder Radio Welcome to Dinner with Racers. I'm Ryan Eversley. And I'm Sean Heckman. And while you might have seen that we have this awesome new Amazon Prime show, we also spent six months driving 15,000 miles all over the country to give you guys some more Dinner with Racers podcast. The regular podcast you've come to know and love? Criticize? Anyways, we went up to Lime Rock Park and one of the racers that lives up there, very familiar to sports car racing fans, would be... Will Turner. William Turner. Now, most people who listen to our show are probably already familiar with Turner Motorsports, but Will and his team are a very popular team in the in the IMSA ranks. He basically started selling brake kits out of the back of his car and then slowly moved up to sort of being uh, one of the premier guys in amateur racing and then what would now be World Challenge, Grand Am, IMSA, you name it. And he's now basically the staple BMW customer racing team out there. Having raced against Will in the same paddock for the last bunch of years, we, we've known each other for a while, and we were really happy to go up to Seabrook, New Hampshire. Did you just say New Hampshire? Yeah, Seabrook, New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Yes, they're from New Hampshire. Huh, not Boston. Turner Motorsports is New Hampshire. So we went up on uh, National Hot Dog Day? That's a thing. The internet said so. Yeah. And uh, if you're familiar with Turner Motorsports, they're really big in on tacos. So we went to Casa Tequila, which is their local favorite hangout for tacos. And uh, I believe I had tacos. Sean, what did what did you have? I totally had a chicken sandwich and not New Hampshire's best chicken tacos. Did you have cheese on it? I did because that's normal. Yeah. Cheese on tacos is normal. Yeah. Right? Despite their uh, commitment to the idea that it's not. So uh, some of the things you're going to hear about in this episode, life in New Hampshire. Also, life in Connecticut. Also, not Boston in any of this. Racing and World Challenge when it still mattered. And all the current issues in the sport, specifically from the perspective of a customer-driven team owner. It was a hot weekend. I was pretty tired. So fortunately, we had Michael Avenatti, who was able to drive us on over there to uh, Seabrook, New Hampshire. I can't believe Dario drove you two morons around. And, of course, we would have never arrived if we didn't have a fantastic car provided by... Acura! And uh, with four fuel-efficient, safe, and quality tires. From Continental Tire. Cross-contact LX Sport, we think. Take it away, Will Turner. From Seabrook, New Hampshire. Meow. All right, we're going to start in five, four, three... So uh, we waste no time. Put that damn thing on. So this is your spot, huh? This is a this is the staple. Yeah. So, so how close are we to the shop from here? Uh, eleven minutes and four seconds. Eleven minutes and four <laughs> seconds. Now you you guys as part of the whole Turner branding, uh, are 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 big claim to be Boston guys. 
and we're calling you out because I'm saying you're in New Hampshire. Yeah, so it's uh, obviously we are on the border, uh-huh. but um, most of my employees are from closer to Boston okay. than to New Hampshire. There's a couple outliers that live in uh, in New Hampshire, but yeah, we're we're more Bostonites, I think. He's that, that's, yeah. a, that's a word New Hampshire, but we're not going to give in. You're right. Uh, wait, so what 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 state line is the actual shop in? So. Oh wow! Look at that face. <laughs> oh wow! Did we just uncover something? Yeah. Are we killing the brand? News. Are we it's killing the brand? Racer yeah. later. <laughs> well, the you know the um, it's tax free New Hampshire. So okay. okay, okay. If we throw parts over the state line, they're tax free. Ah, I see. I see. Okay. I see what's going okay. on here. Understood. Where right. does Will Turner start racing cars? Where or like, where? How does it begin? How do you get into it? Yeah. So, um, I guess uh, it started off with uh, you know, like a lot of kids wanted to to well. Again, a lot of kids without parents, without parents that have any kind of inkling to motorsports, right? So, so there was no dad, there was no uncle, there was nobody really that that had, you know, any influence in this. So, I kind of started with a BMX bike, and uh, I got a crappy one for for Christmas, and I always lusted after the the better ones, right? I think I got I think I got a Huffy, and I wanted a Redline or something, right? <laughs> and uh, what I did was I actually. Um, scrambled traded bartered whatever for some good parts to put on my huffy to make it like yeah. the the red the line cool thing with you the, the cool thing right yeah, yeah. so I, I and this is i learned this at an early age that tinkering with bikes right and making it better right so i was actually tuning the bike when i didn't even know what a car was right like right. i knew i rode in my mom's car but i didn't really get that you could tune a car or anything and where was this uh this is in connecticut connecticut yeah okay and what did mom and dad do so mom was a bartender slash waitress, okay. and dad worked at a insurance uh, company. Oh, okay. He's an insurance salesman, or uh, sort of he, just a he did. He was an insurance salesman at the beginning. But okay. He did some other some other stuff. Um, okay. I would. St- I think he did some. Uh, he went to annuities or some kind of division of that. Um, in Hartford, outside of Hartford, and it's kind of where I grew up in Connecticut. And obviously, it's a big insurance area yeah, right. around around Aetna and all those kind of things, yeah. travelers and stuff. And Hartford Insurance. Hartford Insurance, yeah, yep. the Hartford. Yep. I think Don Salama um, got uh, fired from that place, I think twice, from, from the oh. Hartford Insurance. So. Okay, I'm a fan of their products. They actually reimbursed us when we got our stuff stolen. That's all the Hartford, but yeah. yeah. Nice. So, um, yeah, so bikes uh, kind of got thrown aside immediately when uh, I saw a neighbor had a, uh, a mini bike. Like a like a Briggs and Stratton on a little small wheel frame, and I was like, "How do I get one of those?" Yeah, right. Right. So I didn't care about the the BMX bike for much longer, and all of a sudden I tried to figure out how I got one of the how did I get a mini bike? Um, so uh, found a broken mini bike, didn't have a throttle cable, so I hooked the string up to the throttle. The other yeah, string I, I tied to my leg. Yep. <laughs> I, drew, I drove one-handed with, uh, you know, to, to do, operate the throttle. And mm-hmm. absolutely no helmet. Absolutely no a helmet. Even right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yep. Um, and uh, I got that thing pretty pretty hooked up. I actually hooked up a brake on it so the brake worked instead of just <laughs> using your feet. <laughs> um, and, you know, the next thing after that, the, the natural progression is uh, a motorcycle. So kind of did the same thing with a motorcycle. Yeah. I brought, I bought one um, that was broken and self-taught kind of fixed it up. Right. Um, it was definitely a, uh, it was 
definitely a death trap. Like it, it, it was bad. Like <laughs> right. belt, belts coming through the tires. But again, I was a kid, right? Yeah. So okay. Yeah. Now, Dad worked in insurance. Yeah. Yeah. How was he with all this? I, you know, when he was working, he was fine because he wasn't home. So okay. I was, so he had Jesus I was didn't doing know. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it, uh, it did. It's the same type progression. Um, I fixed one up, sold it, got a better one, fixed it up, sold it. Finally got a real dirt bike, like one that had one shock in the back instead of two, and it didn't have chrome fenders on it. It actually had knobby tires, and right? Um, so that was, uh, that was all great and having a lot of fun with that and learning about speed and crashing and, and where to get gasoline and, and how to fix stuff, right? And then that day happened when uh, I was uh, 15 and a half and got my learner's permit, and so you went on like the day you could go get it the earliest the possible, day, right? Yeah, day, exactly. Yep. Got the learner's permit and drove the car and realized that I didn't care about <laughs> motorcycles. <laughs> right, I didn't right. care about bikes. Right. All Evolution. I had to do was drive this car. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I could not wait to turn 16 to get my license right. to actually drive. And to this point, dad, mom never took you to a race. Nothing no, you really. No yeah. racing. Yeah. 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 Didn't, no. didn't, didn't. I mean. Wasn't on radar. Weren't in go-karts at eight months old or anything like that. No, there yeah. were. Uh, I watched, I watched like the uh, the big races, the Indy 500 and yeah. stuff on TV. Yeah. Um, no, no F1 or anything like that. But I remember Indy 500 and some NASCAR races. Sure. Yeah, the sure, Indy sure. 500 but was the one that was talked about in my house. Right. Right. But it wasn't like this was a racing family. Correct. Yeah. Um, so fast forward those six months, I uh, go to get my license um, with my dad, and. Uh, Passed the test. It was super easy. I don't even remember what it was, but I definitely passed the test. A uh, quarter mile down the road from getting my license, I got pulled over for speeding. Yes! And <laughs> I remember my dad's face when I said I'm getting pulled over, and he didn't quite turn around to see if I was serious. He thought I was kidding. Right. Right? Because we would. Yeah. yeah why not? What yeah, like, what, it's, what's more ironic? You get your license, you get pulled over yeah, right, right, right away. Right? Pulled over. Cop came up to the door. I had my license in my hand. I had the same shirt on, the same smile, the same sweat probably on my nose that I had in the picture <laughs> taken, right? And my dad starts screaming at me like it's going to help me get out of a ticket. Oh, right. Like the right. cop's going to be sympathetic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the cop just looked at me and said, do you know how fast you're going? And I said, no. And he said, you were speeding. He said, uh, and I, I just like had deer in headlights, yeah, yeah. and I didn't know. I've never been pulled over. I never had my, my parents. I never saw my parents get pulled over. I don't, right. I don't know what, you, what they do. They, right. they punch you. What do they do? <laughs> they shoot you. They shoot you. Yeah, right. watch the news. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, got a warning. But literally from that point on, all it there was, you know, there was a little bit about independence, right? I, mm -hmm. I could now drive a car by myself. Um, it was a little about about not coming home when your parents wanted you to come home because you had a car and they couldn't. We didn't have cell phones. You couldn't. They couldn't call you. You right. were out somewhere. Right? Yeah, exactly. You're just out. Um, I couldn't pick up my friends and drive with my friends right away. But um, was that a it parent was rule? just this. I think that was a, it was a law back oh, okay, then. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, and there was something about after dark. But um, I right from the, the get go, I kind of drove a car like a motorcycle. Like I felt invincible and I yeah, felt right. I could go fast and. Like, I, nothing bad's going to happen to me. Right. You're 16. And How could this yeah. possibly yeah. go wrong? Right. Everything's great. Yeah. And uh, I was definitely one of the aggressive drivers of all my 16-year-old friends. Yeah. 
um, you know, with uh, doing burnouts and e-brake turns and trying to jump the car. Completely abusing the privilege of having a car. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. What was the car? Uh, so... I guess my dad's. I don't know if my dad's going to listen to this or not, but um, it was his 1983 Honda Civic. Yes! Four, four speed. We had like in. the same childhood, basically. Yeah, right. So, what was this like? Uh, I don't know your age, but early mid 90s? Uh, well, early, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, late 80s. Oh, uh-huh. late 80s, okay. Yeah. So, um. this uh, light beige, well, beige is light, beige Honda Civic. Of course. Um, of course, it had. Um, I took, well, I found Buick Regal turbo emblems, and I put the turbo on the side of the car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> on your Civic. A, that was the first mod on the right. Civic. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And instantly fifty horsepower. Yeah, right yep. away. Yeah. And I also saved up for a Whistler radar detector. Nice. nice. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You had to have a Whistler radar detector if you couldn't afford an Escort radar detector back yep. then, right? And so you want the radar detector before the mods. Oh yeah, first it was, thing it was first. the sticker. Yeah. The stickers this. on the stickers side. First. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I flipped flipped the air cleaner um, lid upside down, yeah. so it would sound better. <laughs> <laughs> right? This that is all was adding a, up. This, I'm about to say, this is yeah. all on brand from everything that, I know. Right. That was a yeah. V8, um, like a V8 American car trick, but it worked for a four-cylinder Honda, 1.3 liter. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but the one problem with the radar detector, the car. Um, was such a base model, it didn't have a uh, plug-in, right? A plug-in. Yeah. Okay. So I had to go and buy some alligator clips, <laughs> <laughs> right? And to some run through. Yeah. And some wire, and I hooked it up to the dome light. Nice. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, I had yeah. a nice wire Sounds. around from the dome light to the yeah. to the, Sounds to the both, uh, One for the ladies and safe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that Honda Civic. Um, it could jump. It could do jumps. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. It would, it would land in the front wheels just fine. <laughs> um, and uh, it was definitely the fastest 1983 beige Honda Civic yes. four-speed without a cigarette lighter in my town. <laughs> everybody knew it. And everybody knew it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and literally, um, the fun thing to do would be to hang out in a McDonald's parking lot and wait to race other people around yes. the town. Yes. Yeah. What was some of the competition like? So the competition was always these uh, these American cars with, uh, with the back end jacked up on whatever those things are called, like with the big wheels and kind okay, of like jacked a, like up. Like a donk the, or the something? Camaro. No. Oh, but the, oh, okay. Like yeah, the, yeah. the Trans Am right. and the, okay. like, well, yeah, all yeah. these cars um, with that. There weren't many many foreign cars. Sure. Well, yeah, but I'd say this is this around stuff. the Hartford, Connecticut era, yeah. area. Yeah. I would and you're drag racing. You're not like road no, racing. No, well, 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 you would get them on the, you know, we Okay. Lead them to the back roads. Lead these races to the back <laughs> roads. Good. Um, so street race. Yeah, yeah, but that's basically what we would do. We would um, we'd hang out and rip around and this uh, this again. It was the fastest Honda in my town. You're right. And right. It actually, I don't think I really lost any races in on the back roads, and it was because I really just had no fear in it. Right? Yeah. I was like. And I was in a little front-wheel drive Honda that handled better than a 71 um, Camaro with slicks <laughs> on the back, right? Yeah. Um, but how that, how that relates to what happens later is um, I uh, kind of continued this kind of 16-year-old behavior till maybe I was 18. <laughs> or in your 40s. Uh, right. Or yeah. now. Yeah. And uh, the police called my parents and said uh, the police chief of the – of my town said, "Hey, um, your kid's got to knock it off, basically, because like <laughs> we're tired of it." Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 right. Was getting pulled over a thing, or they just knew? That no, you they were just the kid? knew. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think I got pulled over ever. Well, if you're know, like the lone civic in town, it's not hard to. Yeah, figure yeah there was it out. probably some complaints. Yeah, right. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so um, it kind of went from uh, from that kind of shenanigans to uh, my parents sending me away to boarding school. Mm. Oh. Wow, they showed you. And you couldn't have a car at boarding school. Right. um, Unless you were a junior or a senior. Um, And I wasn't quite yet. Um, But boarding school opened up a whole new thing because um, I went to a boarding school where where it was... uh, it came from wealthier families than myself. Okay. So there were a lot of cool cars that the uh, seniors right. had. Right. right? Yeah. So mommy and daddy buy these guys yep. some cars like that. Um, and I met some car people, and they were into cars. And uh, it, I was obsessed. All of a sudden, I changed and got more obsessed with uh, with Volkswagens mm-hmm. because there were some GTIs yeah, right. um, and some Scirocco's uh, in the mix. Um and that led me to getting a job in a European car repair um, facility in Connecticut in the summers. Yeah. And I started with washing cars and uh, then doing minor, uh, minor services on cars. And basically, I continued um, playing with cars and um, working on cars all the way through freshman year in college. Uh, sure. End of freshman year in college. Uh, summers. Um, and uh, when I finally acquired my first BMW, which was kind of by mistake, um, it was a, it was one of these fixer-upper deals. Sure. That uh, you know, my, I couldn't, I couldn't go wrong with this. Yeah, right. And you know, I, I didn't know much about a BMW. I knew about Volkswagens, right? And all of a sudden, this this rear-wheel drive front-engine car comes in, and one of the mechanics says, "Hey, this car will be everything a, B- a Volkswagen could never be." Right, and he was a, he was a racer, and he kind of guided me into this. But the the one thing that happened with um with BMW stuff is when I bought this car and I couldn't afford to fix it, had to fix it myself. Um, I joined the BMW Car Club, and that's when I started going to track events. Um, so this was your first taste of sort of sanctioned racing was with the BMW. Well, it was the first ch- first first taste of having a car uh, on a track. Right, right. So you pay your $40 dues and you get to uh, you get to, to join this club and for 100 bucks or it was not 100 bucks. I didn't have 100 bucks back then. It was probably 80 bucks, 70 bucks. You could uh, have an instructor and you could do a track day. Um and again, it was it was like a game changer because I may have uh I may have um exaggerated my experience when I signed up for this this school, this drive, this driver's school. So where right? are we going with this, Ryan? Yeah. So everybody we interviewed lied, scammed, or whatever to get into racing, mm-hmm. and you're right on board. Well, yeah. <laughs> what, what I did is I wanted to make sure that I wasn't in the beginner group. Right. You needed to be in the faster run. Because I needed to be in the faster run. Oh wow. I know ex- you are definitely a BMW driver. I know it. I know exactly what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> That's what we're doing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What I'm doing. So. I filled out the application. How many schools have you done? I've done 10. <laughs> what tracks have you done? I've done this many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Monaco. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, I showed up. Uh, motorcycle helmet. Yeah, why not? Right? Because yeah. I had a motorcycle at once. Sure. I had a motorcycle helmet. Um, and they had signed me off. This, I've never driven on, the, driven on the track before. They had signed me off for driving solo. <laughs> I've never turned a wheel. <laughs> On the racetrack. So you're not getting a guy with you. You're just allowed to go. Nope. I'm just allowed yeah. to go. So I'm, yeah. I'm in line. <laughs> and I went. And luckily, by the third corner, I figured out that this was, I knew nothing what I was doing. Yeah, right. I had no clue what I was doing being there. 
and I had enough common sense to pull in and say, you guys got me in the wrong group. Yeah. Um, and I need help. I need an instructor. <laughs> and I, did, I made it one lap. Yeah, right. Right. So that's that's how green I was to this whole thing. Oh, yeah. Um, and I can't believe that I, I um, actually went in for help, but I, like, I knew it was I was going to crash. I was yeah. going to crash in the first corner, right? I hit pretty eye-opening. Yeah. yeah. Very eye-opening. Yeah. Um, now, if you if you're today's generation, you're supposed to say that then you went on to be really great, never needed help. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I broke no. the track record on the third lap, and now I'm here. Yeah. yeah so it's kind no, of refreshing. I couldn't hide that I was terrible um, <laughs> at the beginning. Um, I didn't know how to downshift. I didn't know when you would downshift. I didn't know you had to have two hands on the steering wheel. I mean, I, I got that. I got some of the basics, but I, I was, uh, I was definitely super green in this part. Um, but I made it through the day, and when I left, that's again, it's a, it's all I could think about is how do I get back on the track. Right? And how do I do this? How do I? What tracks can I go to? When are the events? And and um, you know it was harder then because you couldn't just look on the internet to see what opportunities right. are. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah. why you would be in a car club, club. right? Yeah. Yep. yeah. And um, so instead of uh, studying through college, um, which <laughs> a lot of people th- thought was a good idea, um, I learned how to drink a lot of beer and not get sick. Awesome. And I also learned how to balance how many cars to work on <laughs> and what weekends to leave to go do driver schools. Yes, good. Um, good. These are life lessons with Will Turner. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I went to school at Roger Williams um, University in Rhode Island, and I went to school for business administration and marketing, and I did well in the classes that I, um, that I liked, the marketing, the sales, the economics, and stuff like that. I did terrible in the math and the, uh, you know, the... The ones you can't even remember. Yeah, the English and the women across time and the, all, the, all the mandatory ones that right. we'd have to do. Um, but I was um, not sticking around campus on the weekends. And I was, I was searching for tracks and I was hitting racetracks. And I, I did this throughout all of college. Um, summers, hit as many racetracks as I could. And at one point, I, um, I racked up uh, over 200 track days. Oh, geez, yeah, that's killing it. And 200 track days and, ha- and never raced, Yeah. never moved out of doing right. 200 track days. You right. can only imagine kind of what happens is um, I'm a big fish in a Yeah. Well, also, you're in that danger of plateauing, right. though, because you're at a track day. Nothing yeah. wrong with track days, but you're only going to get – so far without yeah. having guys that you're going well, to be yeah. racing. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, and yeah. I, you know, I'd be in the instructor group, and I wouldn't have the fastest <clears throat> car, but I was probably, looking back, I was mm-hmm. obviously one of the faster drivers there. And so that the uh, the bug had, is in. It's not yeah, just about right. driver schools. It's now i got to take it to the next level. i got to start racing. Sure. Right? And, the, and roughly when is this? Between 90 and 91, 92. Okay. So is, is the first happening. BMW an E30 then? Is that? First BMW is an E30. Yeah, yeah. what kind? Yeah. So the first one that I that you had like that I had was it, your first BMW. Yeah, so it was an E30. It was a 323 okay, E30. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why it was um, so reasonably acquired is yeah. because it was a gray market car. Probably cost ten thousand dollars right. anyway. Right. Um, and it was uh, the the positive was it was pretty quick because in '85 in the U.S. they only had a 325e. Yes. And that was torquey, but 121 horsepower. Yeah, right. This thing came with 150 horsepower. Yeah, right, right, right. So that was cool because it was a great base to, to start playing yeah. with cars. Yeah. Um, I got to add that you know the thing that 
what tinkering with motorcycles and cars and bikes, all that stuff um, led to tinkering with the Volkswagen stuff at the yeah, beginning. Yeah, yeah. And there was magazines like um, it was called VW Porsche, where you could <laughs> open it up and you could see all these cool things for your Volkswagen. A lot of them were Beetle yeah. mods. Right. Um, some of them were you know first generation Rabbit mods. Yeah, Shirakos and stuff. And yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. When I got the BMW, there was no magazines for BMW yeah. parts, yeah. right? So you couldn't call somebody and figure out how to make your BMW faster. Right, right. And some of the stuff that I learned in the Volkswagen world could have translated to the BMW world. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where my ideas came from with starting Turner Motorsport was that there isn't a whole bunch of places to yeah, get right. stuff yeah. for BMWs. And why shouldn't there be? Yeah, right. right. It's going to Might get I argue... Where there's a will, oh there's God. a way. Yeah, we're doing this already. That happened. <laughs> and and just to note, you were not drinking. No, no. I am having a soda. The, the BMW, again, seemed like a good platform for mods. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't realize it at the, at the time then what I was going to do. Um, but I did know that um, the BMW club had a big following. And that BMW owners, there's a lot of BMW owners that like to take their, uh, their car to the, to the track. Yeah. Um, the... Uh, the problem I was I was financially challenged, meaning I didn't have any any money. Um, so anything that I any way I could get to the track or make money to get to the track, I would do. I remember changing oil um, for kids' cars right. on campus, um, changing oil. I remember modifying some some Volkswagens, putting sway bars on the cars and shocks and springs yeah. and exhausts and and I would just literally I would go to VW Porsche magazine, I'd find the the part. I'd call them up and order it, and I'd, I'd right. put it on somebody's car. So yeah. I was already And you're at a school where there is a, quite a bit of affluence. This one, at college, uh, boarding school, there was more than, than college, college. But in yeah. college, at least, you know, there was. There sure, sure. Yeah. So right. too. All yeah. colleges, there was some stuff. Yeah. The race thing happened when I met a friend that had the idea that he wanted to be a race car driver. Mm -hmm. And he had the money. That he wanted to be a race car sure. driver, but he didn't have any means to build a car or to find a car. Sure. He didn't. He didn't. It do sort it. of wasn't his. his it wasn't realm. his deal, yeah. right? Right. Right. So uh, we basically decided over. Um, I don't think we were drinking tequila back then. <laughs> I'm trying to think what we were drinking. It wasn't tequila, but we decided over a couple of beverages. I did the labor. He provided the money. We sure. built. We built a race car. Yeah. And we built a um, an ITS car. Okay, it was an E36 by that point. E30. Okay, still E30. Yeah, still yeah. E30. Yep. yep. I actually thought Start. you came for money, not yeah. in a disrespectful way. I just yeah. thought you had some sort of no, family back. Yeah. Nope, everybody did. Like this morning, I thought that. Yeah. yeah. So. It's all tying into the uh, the quest to go racing and yeah. to be on a, on, a, on a racetrack and how I needed to make money to make this To happen. make that work, right. Yeah. yeah. And that was the, the – so the drive – the drive was clearly just, it was just, it, and it was short-sighted. It was to fund my next track event. Yeah. Whatever I could do to fund my next track event. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. um, split this race car, um, and car was great. I had the great idea to be the first one to shake it down. Spent a lot of time on it. Brought it to a driver's school to shake it down. Right. It was raining at Lime Rock. <laughs> great. Great time to shake down. First course. lap, I went straight into the Armco at the top of the hill. Got it. Awesome. Right? Yeah. I still thought I knew what I was doing <laughs> for some reason. Right? I didn't realize that a race car was a race car, and it would handle differently than a street car. It should just be faster. Yeah. It shouldn't just Everything crash. Everything else is Yeah. Right? Yeah. right? <laughs> so, I, uh, yeah, I basically rode off this car that... My friend paid Jeez. to for us to build, and uh, how many laps in? 
No, it was the first lap. Outlap. The, it was the outlap. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Solid. Yeah. <laughs> it was slicks on a wet track, yeah. and I thought I was going slow enough, but yeah, that's no. The, the <laughs> magnet in the guardrail attached to the car, and we yeah. just went on head in. Good. Um, and that, good. you know, not a lot of people remember that because that hasn't been brought up ever. And I had parts all over the uphill at Lime Rock. There was right. parts. Yard sale. Yard sale yeah. everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And I, nobody's even remembered that. So if people listen to this and remember that. Send pics. Yeah, send a pic. Yeah. That would be great. Now, of course, they'd be black, it'd be black and white. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. They had to hold this thing with yeah. powder it on like it. Like an easel. Yeah. Yeah. It would be very monochromatic or whatever, right? Um, yeah, so. Back to the drawing board, I um, basically had to, to put that car into it, build that car out of an, into another chassis. Jeez. Um, uh, but we did go racing. So we did uh, back and forth. We did, uh, we did BMW club racing. Okay. And then we also did um, SCCA ITS racing. Right. When somebody asked me, hey, what kind of brakes do you use? And I said, I use these pads called Cool Carbons. And they were basically, back then... Um, there was only a few brake pad material suppliers in the U.S. And they'd all kind of make, uh, buy this material from different places, and they'd cut them out and make them for different applications, yeah, right? right. right? Um, mostly not sports car stuff, but um, for roundy round stuff. Yeah, that makes stuff. sense, sure. Um, and uh, so I had these pads for this 3 Series that um, – where, you know, there was only a couple of choices back then. There was like, like a Ferrodo DS11. <laughs> sure, yeah. And um, I, I was using this brand called Cool Carbon. And can you get me a set? Sure, I'll bring you a set to the next track event. Yeah. I, bought a, I brought a set to the next track event. I helped the person put them in. Yeah. And all of a sudden, <clears throat> this person's, and I think it was a, a 535 that, that they, uh, they bought them for. E28? Um, an E28 535, yeah, yeah. which had the same brakes as an E30 M3. Right. So they made the shape. Yeah, right. Right. Um, and uh, all of a sudden, that person, like, night and day, because they <laughs> yeah. were using stock pads, and all of a sudden, their car can stop. Yeah. So they told their friend, right. where did you get your pads? I got them from Will Turner, right? Fast forward a little bit. I'm bringing milk crates full of brake pads to all these track events. Right, yeah. Right? And, Packed um, in the back of the car? In the back of the car. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking, yeah. like, big yeah. weight. Like, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 big yeah, weight. Yeah, yeah. A lot so of weight. it kept on getting... More weight, slamming more weight. the trunk down, right? And <laughs> I had to go from one milk crate to a milk crate in the back to taking out the back seat to figuring out how to get the brake pads there to eventually um, sending. Had to send brake pads to the people um, before the track events because I couldn't take them anymore. Yeah, right. Right. I couldn't. I couldn't just supply them at the track. Yeah, anymore. yeah. So a couple things I didn't realize. I didn't realize that these. Well, not realize. I didn't plan that these were consumables. Okay. So, yeah, they work great, but I didn't realize that somebody's going to have to buy them for me again. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, right. that wasn't in my business plan. I was yeah. like, hey, I made 40 bucks. Yeah, yes. right. right. Yeah. Right. But Beer. I'm going to keep making now 40 bucks. Business. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to keep making 40 bucks as long as they come back and buy them from mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. So, um, I became a dealer for um, Cool Carbon. Yeah. Um, my friends and local BMW chapters started calling them Cool Willies. <laughs> the logo and the brand got changed to Cool Willies. Oh, wow. And yeah. it okay. lived on and... I remember having to um, take these pads that I bought from the supplier. The supplier was not the best supplier, so I had more demand than there was supply. Sure. So I had a little customer relationship issues or customer service issues because I couldn't get brake pads to people in time. Um, but I remember having to pack them 
in my basement, and then I'd have to bring them to UPS, right? Because I didn't have a pickup back yeah, then. Yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. bring these yeah. pads yeah. to UPS. And the idea of invisible drop shipping at that time was yep. a little different. So, so one of the uh, the celebrities back in the day of these brake pads, my customers, was um, Don Salama. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, Donnie Salami. Yeah. So, uh, so Don Salama was a big autocrosser. Uh-huh. Right? And he uh, lived in New Jersey. He had a mustache. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Very important to yeah. that. And yeah. not only did he have a mustache, but he had a little bit of an afro. I'm loving um, it. Everything you're saying is good. And he's autocrossing. Big autocrosser. Autocross <laughs> champion of his club. Right. He had, he had more trophies then than he's got a lot of trophies. Yeah. A lot yeah. of trophies. I don't think he's national. No, I think it was. No, it's. I think it's. It was New Jersey. The New Jersey BMW chapter autocross champion. So the greatest BMW anyway. New Jersey autocrosser out there. Oh, Beth looking. Yeah. yeah. Hands down. Anyway, he was super fast. And then he saw me racing, and he said, "Hey, I'd like to uh, turn my M3 into more of a race car. Do you do anything other than brake pads?" Sure. So uh, he dropped his car off, and I put a suspension in it, and gave him some more negative camber. Blah blah. blah. And all of a sudden, now he's track star Don Salama. Sure, sure. Right? Put a roll bar in it. Mm-hmm. Then he's racer Don Salama. Yeah, right. So now he's big star because you've helped him set his stuff up and get him going. Yeah. And uh, that kind of uh, that kind of trickled down to the next guy mm-hmm. that watches Don Salama. Mm-hmm. Do well. Yep. Do well. well. And, and number uh, two, New Jersey autocrosser. Yeah. So um, <laughs> so this is all kind of kind of happening. And... Um, the I'm, I'm getting this uh, this good feeling about how I can f- keep funding my racing right with selling his parts and working yeah. on his cars so because to this point this isn't a business plan per se oh this is I never just, had a it's like plan. I want to go just racing shaking couch cushions yeah, there's, never been, yeah, a, yeah. there's yeah. never been okay. a business plan um, so I uh, in 1993 um, that's when I kind of went to the, this, the state of Connecticut and got my little tax ID number and everything okay. I filled out a tax form for this right um, and I and I was my day job was selling um, parts at an auto parts store, so I was doing this nights and weekends. Okay. okay. Um, and uh, when I was working at this auto parts store, I had this one customer uh, and a friend, and he said, uh, "Hey, when are you going to start your own place? Like, just go out and do it." And I was like, "I don't know." And he's like, "He's like, you've been talking about it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're working for somebody else full time. Why don't you start your own place?" And yeah. I said. I'm not ready. You know, maybe I'll think about it, blah, blah, blah. And uh, a couple months later, he called me up again and said, hey, uh, when are you going to start your own place? And I'm like, I, I said, everything's going well. I'm working. Right. And he's like, yeah. well, when you're working for somebody else. When are you going to work for yourself? And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, I'll tell you what. If you don't quit and start your own place in 10 days, I'm going to call your boss anonymously and tell him you've been stealing from him. <laughs> Good. And one way to do it. I was like, yeah, right. And he's like, I'm not kidding. He's like, you, you're stuck in this rut. You're going to keep doing this because it's comfortable. And he's like, you, you will thank me when it's done. And I was like, whoa. Is, right. is he serious? Yeah. And he was absolutely dead serious. Yeah. He was going to say that I was embezzling yeah, or I was right. yeah. Whatever doing was. something yeah, yeah, yeah. from this Reddit. Right? And where you will turn. And I, you know what? <laughs> and I, I, he would actually do something like that. He was a little like aggressive I like love that, this guy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> 
So uh, that was literally, that was the, the last thing, the, the catalyst that I needed. That was really it. Yeah. That was just like, you know what? All right, I'm just going to do it. Mm-hmm. I called my buddy um, that I grew up with that was working as a bartender down in Ocean City, Maryland, um, Doug Marr. Doug still works for Turner Motorsport to oh, this day. Okay, cool. Um, so this is since 1995. Right. So um, I called him up and I'm like, hey, I'm going to start my own company. Uh, I'm going to move up out of Connecticut. I'm going to move uh, to somewhere in Massachusetts. I didn't pick where yet. Right. Growing up in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, I really liked Portsmouth. Uh, so New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, I landed in Newburyport. It's on the water. Okay. It's right next to 95. Yeah. Um, it's not too far away, except it's far away from Connecticut. I wanted to just get away from Connecticut okay. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, Paternity uh, suit or something like that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Doug said, yeah, I'm ready for a change. And uh, we, moved up, uh, we moved up here, and we rented a, uh, a quarter of an industrial unit okay. where at night we could work on a car at night because the day it was used by somebody else. Sure. And we had a 12 by 12 office, um, no air conditioning. We had one computer, one phone, a couple desk chairs. And the best thing I ever did in college was every time I walked into the student union or whatever it was called, and there was like the dude um, with the cheesy suits uh, signing you up for credit cards. Yeah, right. Right? I got every single one. (laughs) Right? Um, I had no less than 10 credit cards. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, 26% interest. Oh, yeah, of course. Why not? Dude, you're killing it. the cash advance was between 500 and 1,000 on each one. Yeah. Wow. Right? Okay. So enough that you can kind of get things going here if it works. So <laughs> I went to the bank. I got cash advances on every single credit card. I put that money in the bank. My Aunt Susan gave me $5,000, mm-hmm. and I was off to the races. Wow. So I started Turner Motorsport with 10 or 11 cards, 5000 bucks, 5000 bucks, and 26% interest. Yeah, and only a $2,000 a month overhead yeah. in credit card debt. So what so. bank owns you now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it did take me um, it did take me years to pay not years to pay that off. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, my my goal or you know the the very um, small future plan I had was what I wanted to do is I just wanted to have a place where people could call me and reach me, and I could ship them brake pads, and I could work on cars at night. Mm-hmm. Very, very simple. Right. So you're allowed to work in that office during the daytime. Yes. You just couldn't work on, couldn't cars. Work on cars. You had all the noise right. and all that. Well, we couldn't, just had the, the space. We shared the space with yeah. a car stereo installer. Okay, right. so you're allowed to use this sort of workspace yeah. at night. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, but you could still use your little cubicle for, cubicle. Yeah. for <laughs> selling parts. Okay. Yeah. And uh, a college roommate um, was uh, a college roommate and a friend that was in the IT world was talking about the internet, talking about you have to have a website, mm-hmm. and I only had America Online. And yeah. Um, yes, good. You, I don't know. You, Getting back, a disc in the mail. Yeah. Back in, back in. Kids, American Online. Yeah. Was this a back internet in platform? 94, 93 yeah. and 94, like you use that just to get those alt.binaries.naked.boob. Boob. <laughs> yep, yep. And you couldn't actually get a picture. You had to, you had to like load it. You had to combine lightning the files to get a picture. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you got to get a website for your racing. Yeah, yeah, for that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So the the cool thing is is that we actually um, in the in the middle of 1996 we had a website. Okay. And it had four pictures on it, and um, it was it, you know it didn't sell anything per se, but it had some information on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and anybody that worked at a big enough company who had internet. People were already browsing during working yeah, this right. new thing called right. the internet yeah. and finding stuff, right? And, and uh, it turns out that that was key because these two guys that helped me um, develop uh, my or build my business on the internet were not in it to – they weren't business partners. What they were is I had um, one guy that was just a – he was a Harvard grad and he was into the internet stuff and mm-hmm. technology stuff. And then I had another guy that was into IT stuff and computer stuff and pr- into programming. Right. So between – both of them, they already saw the future of what the internet was yeah. going to do for all this stuff because they've been in it for a couple of years before on, I don't know, I don't even know, the normal yeah, right. stuff. Yeah, the dark web, as we call it. Yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, so I was one of the first that had a website, mm-hmm. which uh, that ultimately put Turner Motorsport on the map. It allowed um, people with America Online or right. the Source or whatever it yeah, was called right. back then. Mindspring, um, or when you're at, yeah, or when you're at work to find a phone number or to do yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, and within the first uh, day of us having this little office in Newburyport and opening a bank account and getting the starter checks and all this stuff, we plugged the phone into the jack, and within minutes the phone rang, and I had my first customer. Wow. And he said, "Hey, are you are you there?" I'm like, "Yeah, we're here." And he's like, "Hey, I, I need right. some something." Yeah, right. And I looked at Doug, um, the guy that came up from from Ocean City, Maryland, and leaving this bar, wonderful bartending job. Yeah. I was like, "Did you do this? Like, yeah, did right. you, Is this a setup?" Yeah. And he's like, "We couldn't believe that we <laughs> yeah. plugged the phone in and somebody and called, called and yeah. we, got a, we got a sale." You're yeah, like, yeah. "I got to write this. I, I don't even have." Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you uh, call back. Yeah. So first. First sale ever. We wrote it down with a pad. Yeah. We went, packed the box, and brought it to the UPS guy because they didn't have pickup yet. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah. and it was game on. It went from brake pads to shocks to springs right. to a little bit of everything. But one key thing I want to point out that I'm hearing, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that your debt started with the business. It didn't start with racing. Correct. Okay, you're looking up, though. Correct. <laughs> okay. I'm thinking of a timeline. I think he's like trying to remember. Yeah. yeah. No. So I'm thinking of a timeline. Um, yeah, I didn't. I have think it's a good life debt. lesson that like spend the cash you have to go racing, fine. But you know, if it's not really a career, move I wasn't necessarily. So yeah. it wasn't. So I didn't use the credit cards for racing. Right. Because I didn't think about it. I didn't think. I didn't. Right. It was I didn't if you had think about it at the time. Right. So when I was racing and putting stuff into racing, I would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't live. It, it sounded to me like your racing was a combination of your paychecks and sort of the cash you'd have. For and the if I didn't have it, I wouldn't. And, like, and that's my okay. point. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You weren't starting a credit card to go racing no, or something like, like that. Yeah, no. So I would be scared about that. Right, right. And then came 1998. Okay. When on Speed Vision, I watched my first World Challenge race. Mm-hmm. And I saw these Saturns versus Acuras. Versus Oldsmobiles versus a lone BMW, mm-hmm. and uh, it was sanctioned or owned or whatever by um, by SCCA back yeah, then, yeah. right? So from club racing, the next step up is uh, is World Challenge, mm-hmm. right? And World Challenge touring car was those kind of cars, yeah, and then right. there was GT, which was Mustangs and Corvettes yep. and all that kind of stuff. 
And I thought that if I put all the knowledge that I had learned on this stuff together, that the next step up was was World Challenge. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and now you can write it all off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Big sponsorship for the company. Oh, yeah. But, um, again, the, the dollars for all this kind of racing was totally different because the cars were legitimately um, much more of stock cars mm-hmm. than they've ever been. Mm-hmm. So we built these E36s, and I built one for myself, and I convinced two other guys to build them for them with yeah. their money. Yeah. We built them all the same. First race was Topeka, Kansas. Never yeah. been to that track before. Um, and... Uh, I remember there was, I think there were, we, I, I had six, five or six crew. We all stayed in one room um, on the drive out there, mm-hmm. like in hotel rooms. Somebody yeah. sleeping in a bathtub. We're, right. we're somebody sleeping in the truck. We're like, and everybody was in it as volunteers, right? I was going to say, who's getting paid at this no, point? Nobody's right. getting yeah, yeah, yeah. All volunteers. Uh, get to Topeka. Don't know what we don't know. Yeah. And I think I finished fifth, sixth, or seventh, which was... Oh, maybe it was seventh, eighth, or ninth. I don't know. <laughs> top ten. But it was. It was. It, there was probably only ten cars. But <laughs> hey, top ten. The the thing was is that, on one hand, um, I didn't know what I was getting into, but I wasn't overly intimidated by what happened. Okay. Right. I couldn't believe that Pierre Kleinubing could make that Acura go as fast as it could go. Yeah. But then again, I wasn't last. In yeah. My, in my first race. Yeah. We did a full yeah. season. Um, traveled around on a shoestring budget. The cars were super reliable because they were so stock-like. Um, a big eye-opener was that some teams were serious about this mm-hmm. stuff. Like mm-hmm. I remember that some of the GT teams and the Acura team, yeah, real time, PD, yeah, real time was was serious about it. Yep. But you know, everybody had attrition problems um, throughout that because these cars were so stock yeah, right, and right, stuff. Right. So but it also um, sounds like you didn't embarrass yourself um, to the point that maybe this was sort of the first time you really at a top level realize this could be a thing yeah definitely if i had shown up and things had gone way worse yeah for this first couple of races right i would have uh probably packed up and said um, i don't have a i'm not yeah, cut it's out not for, for you it. right and then in uh i think it was in in 2000 when um everything changed um we had two years and a couple races under our belt learned a lot Started hiring some more people that knew about racing, uh, knew more than me about racing, and were more race mechanically inclined. Um, so I'm kind of building that part of the business up. And part sales were becoming more and more successful. And I, a lot of it was based on me having some internet presence and a lot of companies not having internet presence. And I didn't have a big website. I had a very simple website, and I had two very passionate friends helping to populate that website and make it better and better just not just because they wanted to because it was cool to do to do a website and to see that reach people and, and it's here it's not like you're selling parts online it's literally just that they can find your shop and they can't it's find really, somebody it's else really, through, it's through really it's really fine and yeah. i yeah, yeah there was no like, e-commerce oh, these people exist and somebody yeah. else couldn't find that through an no e-commerce search, right. you post some pictures and the pictures are like this big because <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. you're yeah. taking yeah. them on, a, on this yeah, yeah. big <laughs> camera that, whatever as seen on TV you had to right. scan photos yeah, you know. yeah. yeah. So I remember we had a digital camera you put a floppy disk into the side of it yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you pull that up put it in the computer yeah. a floppy disk kids was this uh, yeah. at what point did the cars become blue and yellow okay so blue and yellow from the beginning okay so why alright so Great question. I'm, I'm glad you reminded me of that. Thanks. No problem. When I was trying to come up with a paint scheme, 
I wanted to make sure that my car stood out against all the other cars. And I looked through magazine after magazine, and I looked at what paint jobs stood out mm-hmm. in the magazines. And the cars that stood out were the F1 Ferraris, the E30 touring cars of Marlboro, the white and yeah. <laughs> those, the white and fluorescent. Yeah. And then real times cars. Right. Right. Yeah. Everything else kind of blended in, not to each other, but just didn't stand out like that. Right. So then I watched the races on TV and I'm figuring out what colors stood out the best on TV. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was the same type of cars. Mm-hmm. The one car that was not in a lot of magazines um, that I found after watching the TV stuff was the uh, one of the cars that I missed was the, um, I think there were the Renault Lagunas from British Touring Car. Yeah, right. Yeah. And they had the same colors as like the Benetton F1 car, mm-hmm. but they had more yellow on them. Mm-hmm. So... I saw those and I was like, "Wait, those don't race over here. I'm not competing. It's not. No one's know, gonna. I'm complain. not gonna paint a red. I'm not gonna have a red race car. Yeah. Or blah, blah, blah. And uh, so I went with it, and the local paint shop um, messed it up by today's standards and made the the blue too light blue. Okay. But I've stuck with the yellow since day one, mm-hmm. and they painted them the same way, the same scheme, and everything. And I've been doing it though yeah. that the whole time. Right. And as many as much advice as I've gotten to stay away from that, I just stuck with it. That's the brand. I, yeah, yeah no, I mean, absolutely. I, I've never been critical of the delivery. Right. Oh, yeah. I've got, but yeah. I've gotten, really? I've gotten a lot of, why don't you do something different? Why don't oh, you change that. it up a little bit? No. Because um, I got a lot of that. Because do you see what I have? Yeah. And well, also about like, <laughs> you're selling stuff. Like right. the, it needs to be a recognizable thing that you can sell yeah. parts off. Yeah. So right. yeah, it right. makes complete sense to me. Yeah. So, but I, I really did get a lot of, um, a lot of pushback. Interesting. On, on Interesting. The colors. Yeah. 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 And 93 and 94, typically the numbers you guys run, is that the years you started? So, nope. It was, um, I picked a high number because nobody else had them. Yeah. And then we just stuck around around the 95. So we did 93, 92, 90, 93, 90, 92, 93, no, 91, 92, 93. Okay. And then we went up a little bit. And so there's no necessarily specific no, thing. No, that you're, no. yeah, yeah. Just kind of stuck with all these for, for yeah, a while. Just yeah. It's working. Watch yeah. Out. yeah. Brand identity. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, 2000, third or fourth race of the season, Memorial Day. I had these three cars. Um, only two of them, uh, dri- myself and another driver, could make it. We're mm-hmm. at Lime Rock. And your home track, uh, home, yeah. home track. Yeah. My crew member talks to Rick Fairbanks. Rick Fairbanks comes up to me and introduces himself, and he goes, hey, you want to win your race? And I was, And he said it just like that, and I was like, yeah. And he's like, you should put... You should put Billy Oberlin in the car, my driver. And I was like, uh, <laughs> right? It was kind of weird for somebody just to come up and say that. Right. So then I talked to the, the crew member, Mark, that uh, that I told him about it. And he's like, yeah. He's like, that guy, that guy, Bill Oberlin's super fast. Like, he's been winning a lot. Like, right. you should you should ask him what like, how much you would charge. And I was uh-huh. like, what? Wait, how much what do you, do you mean? charge? Yeah. Yeah. What do you pay me? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Who's this guy? Right? This costs money. Steve Oberlin? What? Yeah. what was his name? Yeah. yeah. So he said you should at least go talk to him. So I remember the walk down. I, I remember this clearly. I walked down to these huge transporters, 
that I'm like I'm like in a different world because yeah. I'm in the B paddock of Lime Rock, right? And I'm walking <laughs> uh, down yeah. to the A paddock, right? I didn't even know they'd let me in, right? Right. <laughs> so Fine, um, kid, get I'm, in there. I'm walking down there and I'm looking at these huge. Tra- I you know, I had a I had a dually and a Featherlight mm-hmm. trailer, right? And a a little canopy, an easy up. It wasn't even an easy up back then. It was a hard up, whatever it was called. <laughs> Wait, were you like constructing poles yeah. and stacking them on yeah. each other? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over and they'd all be all bent and <laughs> yeah. stuff. And I remember these Blind gym, yeah. yeah. I walked in this transporter and it had air conditioning. And I'm like, oh, seriously, you air conditioning? Bitches. There, right? <laughs> I walk up to the front. There's a big screen TV. And I met Bill Arbelin. And, um, and I said, hey, I have this. BMW and um, it's an extra car and somebody said that maybe I should put you in it um, and he just kind of looked at me and I didn't really know how to explain it <laughs> right? apparently I'm supposed to pay you yeah. I don't. and I'm like well why is your hair that color why what don't is this? you uh, don't yeah. <laughs> he had hair then but it was like yellow no nah, this is before yellow he highlighted it didn't he this is like before highlights. yellow <laughs> were you distracted yellow, by his luscious luscious lips that was before the lip job. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well before, Fair the, enough. Well Fair before enough. the lip job. Yeah. So, yeah. Less so you're like, so you're like, Phil Oberlin, good to meet you. Yeah. Uh, what, how do I? Phil. That's what we call him now. <laughs> we do. We do call him <laughs> Phil. I do. I'm just going with we not his name. Wait, you didn't know that? <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. His new name has been, for the last couple of years, has been yeah, Phil. Phil. Is, he, is he active on Twitter? Yeah. I don't think so. Okay. Well, he just got on the gram. <laughs> okay. He was like absolutely terrified of me. Well, okay. So he's on the gram. Yeah. All right. Barely. So, barely. I just got him on the gram. Nice. All right. Been, yeah. So yeah. if you can start replying to all of his photos saying, nice job, Phil. <laughs> Looks great, <laughs> Fans, Phil. everybody. Everyone on say this. Phil. No matter what, comment, hey, well, Phil, you're the man. Love this, Phil. Phil Arbelin. I love it. Yeah. That's what we do here. <laughs> this will actually happen. Literally what we do here. Yeah. So I'm talking to Bill. Who? Bill. That's before Phil. Oh, okay. okay. Got Phil's yeah, after yeah. the So Billiam. Stick to the narrative. Yeah. yeah. Billiam. Billiam. Well, I'm trying to explain, like, what kind of car it is. And he's asking me. He keeps saying, like, you know, what's what kind of this is in it, what kind of that's in it. And kind of explaining technical stuff. And that um, Rick Fairbanks walks in. And he goes, put him in your car. You'll win this race. And Bill's like, all right, let's do it. Like, yeah, there's this thing. Like, he's always, he's very optimistic. He's like, let's do it. Right? I don't even think I negotiated the deal, but it was, I think he was doing it for prize money. And I think that's where we, where we kind of went. He'd get the prize money. And, and I'm walking out, and I'm, I'm walking back to show him the, the car. And I'm like, there's no way this guy is going to get in the car and beat Pierre. Yeah. From the outside, from, yeah. from whatever, right? But he's into it. He's going to try. Like he's into oh, driving the car. Oh, he w- we yeah. went over to the car and he saw the car and he he looked around and he looked way more into the car than I would have thought he looked. Like he was everywhere in the car. He's yeah. looking at sway bars, looking at shocks, looking at the, the everything, yeah. right? Um, and he seemed like he was, uh, you know, he, he was definitely into it. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I've been driving this car for. Two and a half years. Yeah, right. right? Lime right. Rock's my home track. So I know a thing or two. I know a yeah. thing or two, right? Yeah. And uh, we get out there and in practice, and I never see Bill Oberlin. And we weren't in the same radio or anything. I never, ne- never saw him. So what happened was he went one lap and the engine blew up. Oh, oh no. no. Yeah. <laughs> so welcome to Turner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing that. Um, 
I've really never lost sight of is that you never give up, mm-hmm. right? And I don't know where that came from because I don't remember everybody, anybody ever telling me, like, never give up. Yeah. But there's no way, like, we were going to give up because we blew an engine up. Mm-hmm. We we're going to fix that thing. Right. And uh, we didn't have a spare engine at the track. So I called the shop, and there's a spare engine at the shop. And one of my guys drove it down to Lime Rock. Yeah. Um, and we spent basically the whole day putting it in. Now it's uh, an hour and you know an hour before pre-grid, and we're still tightening stuff up. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, hand, like literally, I remember being in my driver's suit underneath the car. And I don't know if I was doing um, exhaust stuff or I was I was helping something. I was a frantic yeah right and, scrap and yeah. The car had already started up. We were just tightening everything back up. But mm-hmm. the car, the new engine was in, and it wasn't a new engine. It was just a you know different one. Yeah, yeah, right. We finally get it up and running, and put the car down, and we run back to our cars to get going. And there was no kind of car crew chief or anything telling us what was going on. It was kind of me doing both. We roll out underneath the uh, the canopy, and the we the grids closed because we missed it. Oh man! So we're all starting from the back. Oh, but you can still start. Yeah, you can still but, start. Yeah, yeah, but you're gonna start last stuff. Okay, cool. So not only do we have to start in the back of the pack, <laughs> but torrential downpour. <laughs> Good. All right. I can only imagine how great you smelled at the end of this day oh, in general. Yeah. But this is the Bruckheimer movie. Mm-hmm. The clouds roll no, it, in. No, no, you're no, in it, the back. It, oh, it, it doesn't end this it way. It really is. It really is. Okay. Um. So we're all starting from the back, and. Um, I was first from the back. Then it was then my other driver. I don't know if it was Salama that day or not. I think it was my other driver. And then Bill was at the last. Okay, what was it? That's a pretty good lineup. So um, went green, and uh, there was a bunch of chaos that happened at the beginning. In a World Challenge race. Yeah, hmm. and funny, huh? And I'm looking in my mirror, and there was a yellow, and I'm looking in my mirror. And I see BMW behind me, and uh, I was like, I was like, I actually told Bill Oberlin that there was a lot of grip on the outside of West Bend. Yeah. And he's like, Yeah, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Uh, What was your name again? So, the the thing was, is that I was thinking that Bill was still behind me. That was Don. Don's right. still behind me. Right. Bill's li- Bill like made up ten spots in the first lap. Right. I didn't see him pass me. He went by us so fast. So, <laughs> since I wasn't actually, um, since I wasn't actually able to watch what happened in front of me, yeah. Bill basically went from last to second um, in less than thirty-five minutes. Right. And hounded Pierre um, until he made an amazing pass on like the outside of I don't know the left hander or something, mm-hmm. um, and won the race. Um, and I, obviously, I didn't know what was going on. Right, right. I, I was somewhere there. But um, you're busy. The thing that um, the the t- like the tipping point of stuff was that. Everybody at Lime Rock that was watching that race saw that. Yeah. And they said that he was in the class by, his, by himself. Mm-hmm. 
He was passing people on the outside and the inside and made it look so easy. He wasn't sliding around. He was just like, yeah. it was unbelievable. So to this day, I still get comments of, I remember mm -hmm. that race. Mm -hmm. I remember that race. So right. People remember the Turner car and Bill Oberlin yeah. ripping through the field to right. win that race. Right. And I, I would have never expected we were going to win that one. Sure. We should have listened to Rick Fairbanks. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and that was when I kind of, uh, you know, realized that, you know, obviously I'm not a professional racer. I, you know, like there's there's guys that are super talented and Bill made it look easy. I was, say, was there any element of humbling? Because at this point, if you're sort of top dog within your own team. Yeah, it, it, there was... There wasn't humbling because I didn't have, I didn't think I was all that. Okay. Right? I never did. I, I wanted to be all that, but I never, never lived in the thought I was. Yeah. I lived in a real world, right? Yeah. And and uh, I just was realistic. And I'm realistic about a, about a bunch of stuff. Um, sometimes I wish I wasn't because maybe that's, you know, maybe that's What's holding the, you back from certain things? Yeah, that yeah. could be holding you exactly. back from stuff. You're doing fine. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I could be bigger. So you win. Does overnight success happen to the website? Are you guys yeah, getting you, you sell selling parts like crazy no. suddenly? No, absolutely not. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, that didn't really do anything for us except kind of gave me an idea of I need this guy back, right? Because not only can I um, win with him, but obviously I can learn from him. And he was nice. He was nice back then. I don't know what happened, but he was nice back then. He currently drives you, right? Currently. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shit, yeah. <laughs> So you're thinking, all right, I got to keep this guy. Yeah, I got to keep this guy somehow, but yeah. I can't afford to pay him, and I can't afford to. Well, back then, the economies of scale of this World Challenge thing were super easy because yeah. I could fit three cars in a transporter. You didn't have a pit stop, right? Yeah. The tires were super cheap. The races were were 50 minutes long, or 45 minutes long, whatever yeah. they were, right? How long would an engine last? Are you doing one year? Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. All that stuff was like, I mean, they're stock engines. Yeah. Like this, you right. know, running a third car over a second car is not a, is not a big deal. It's not like today. Yeah, and you're you're racing with like, what was it, like IndyCar back then for a couple of events. Yeah, and right. The rest was this, whatever you called it. USRC? Yeah. <laughs> that one. So that you don't get much track time. So you don't wear stuff out that much. Right. It's kind of like, kind of just like the racing thing. So kind of uh we don't need to go year by year but so now you're a winning team you know now you're becoming an established part Known of entity yeah fan base is building established part of touring car and then eventually you start transitioning so at what point do you start becoming or uh, willing to invest into sort of the turner motorsports that we have today which is a team that's yeah. you know in the top levels yeah absolutely so 2000 and when we built the e46 world challenge cars um there was more budget uh, everything was doing more. I was getting a taste for winning, and I was getting a taste for the competition. And it, it went from me just wanting to race and be at the track to me wanting to kick ass. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. As a team. No, I just wanted to kick ass. Okay. Yeah. Right. Just like in, in life. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Okay. And, when you know, once you get the taste of winning and you feel how good winning feels. Yeah, it fixes a lot of problems fixes a lot of problems but it also makes everything yeah, it makes everything worth it yeah. um but then you you don't want to ever lose cause yeah because if you lose you did something wrong right right you have a big momentum after winning back-to-back -back championships you think you can do anything right so why not do something different to prevent 
um, the inevitable. There's no way a race series was going to let us win three championships in a row. Yeah. Right? you got to be smart about this stuff. Like, Well, if there's a time to elevate yourself, like, you know, this is – you don't want to plateau at any point. So, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and back in the World Challenge stuff, the way that the cycles were going, it was uh, in 2001 and two and maybe three, it was probably the peak of everything. You had the most excitement. You had the speed vision. You had speed vision go HD, which is even crazier because yeah. the cars looked even better. Yeah. Uh, you had some big names driving. You had some big dollars in it. Uh, everything, was, everything was great. Um, 2004 kind of started seeing some, some pullback because it was getting expensive. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what people didn't want. They didn't want this to get, or not people, but that's exactly what we didn't want. We didn't want this to, to get too expensive. Um, and that's what the creep, where the creep was. Cars right, right. were starting to come out better and better. There's starting to be sequential transmissions. You're supposed to start to have to go faster and faster just yeah. to keep up. Right. So the next step as a business model was to go to a endurance series where you could have two drivers in the car and they could each contribute to the cost of yeah. running the car. Yeah. One year from 1998 to 2019, one year I might have made a little bit of money. <laughs> the rest of the years were in the red <laughs> yeah. or or the the, what's worse than red? Yeah, right. <laughs> TRG blue. <laughs> Was that out loud? So we we jumped into uh, to Grand Am, yeah. right? Yeah. Totally different, totally different deal. Yeah, it was a fresh series for us. Like meaning, like we didn't know what we didn't know. Mm -hmm. You had to make a pit stop. You had to do a driver change. Yep. You had to actually not be the fastest guy and have the fastest car all the time, and yeah. you actually had to have a crew that you relied on not to f it up. Yeah, yep. right, right. But also in terms of funding, like the pro-am nature of Grand Am was awesome. pretty much the standard. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Awesome. So, so you could have somebody underwrite it. Yeah, so yeah. how could you possibly run a sprint series with gentlemen drivers that would expect to win and spend a lot of money getting beat by pros and yeah. you don't – it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, now. it couldn't happen. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, so from my standpoint, the next thing was the best. It was a the Grand Am with the Endurance Series was a, the best thing ever. Yeah, and it wasn't as big of a trans uh, transition as I thought, um, because again, if your car doesn't break and you have the drivers, you just got to make the pit stops happen correctly and right. the driver changes. And at this time, there weren't a lot of people that had their A game on. Right, it was still. Um, it was early days still of the early yeah. days yeah. right so a lot of guys are having fun so we yeah, right. stepped in at the right time where we're still having fun but we have a purpose we want to win mm -hmm. so with uh bill arberlin and justin marks um we won a lot yeah, yeah. And we had a lot of fun yeah. with those guys um and uh yeah there's a story from my book about the first year um about the about the whole Grand Am conspiracy thing towards the end of the race or the end of the season. What's but the Grand Am conspiracy? Think, I don't think we can. I don't think we can go. You have. You'd have to edit it very. You have to edit too much. In GS, we we're successful in ST. We won championship in GS and mm -hmm. ST. We won championships in World Challenge. So, to keep us motivated and to keep us going, what's the next step? Right, you got to go to GT racing. Yeah, right. So in 2010. Um, 2009, we started experimenting in GT with our M6 GT car. Right. Was that a Riley chassis? It was. Yeah, yeah. So I would call it a 
Prep 2 at the time. Yes, yeah. which was the future of all right. racing. Right. That's what and we're going to do. Yeah. Invest in this, and you will not go wrong. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Wait. Did you hear me correctly? Yeah. Invest in this. Okay. And guys, this is what we're doing. Keep this is what we're doing. You're going to spend your money because tube frames are the wave of the future. And right. there is, there it's cheaper on maintenance. Yeah. Right. And there's a recipe <laughs> and blah blah blah. This, there's no way this will only last about two or three years. Right. Right. Yeah. So I drank the Kool Aid. Yep, yeah. Right. And I half a glass. Yeah. Built a car, and the BOP was great for the M6 That's when right. I built it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, it had a big engine. The engine was great. Mm-hmm. Um, the car couldn't really turn compared to some of the other cars, sure. but they couldn't accelerate as w- what we could. And it was actually, it was an overdog for the first couple of races, but then it kind of came right in line. Yeah. Um, the problem with that car for us was that there was only a couple people that could drive it. I had some amazing dr- talented drivers mm-hmm. in this thing that were super talented, but only a few could drive this this chassis, yeah, the two right. frame and, and stuff, right? Um, but we uh, we had some success with the M6, right? Um, so the next year, what do we do? If you have a taste a little bit success, you want to build you want to yeah. build more of these. You want to bite off car. way more than you can chew, <laughs> <laughs> right? So we not only did we build another GT car. But we actually reskinned it to be an M3. M3, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember this. Yeah. Yeah. Now at this point, you you keep you keep stressing that you're investing in, so you're finally re- spending some real money to to pro to develop these cars and, and build them yourselves. Was this a risk or was there an underwriter? Yeah. So it was it was pretty interesting how this this uh, this came to be. Um, the costs in GS were rising yeah. insanely. Yeah. And it wasn't a street stock anymore. Like, that was what it was called, I think, when, when Grand Am first started. Was it street stock or whatever, right? There was a camber rule. There was a this. You couldn't do that. You couldn't change stuff. And then all of a sudden, like, somebody lost the grips of, uh, of what you could do and what you couldn't do. And it got carried away. And it got seriously carried away when we were spending a quarter of a million dollars on a GS car. Yeah, right. right? And to, the budget to, for the year was like eight fifty or something yeah. stupid. You're like, yeah. this isn't real. Yeah. yeah, and the cars were, were, oh, yeah, the cars were just there was there was not a, it was not going in a great direction. Yeah. Um, so the the thing that was sold to us was that that GT racing the costs were going to be constrained mm-hmm. and there's more visibility. And, um, you know, I kind of saw this as a thing for BMW, for me to show BMW kind of what I could do mm-hmm. because we've been super successful. Right. Um, we have the same kind of crew and the same kind of ingredients that we've used for success. And we're just making a different recipe now. We're following a different recipe now for this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have... Uh, a vast selection of drivers that I can choose from to, to drive these things. And we just basically remember it's, it's this, this tube frame thing. That's the way of the future. So yeah, if right. we get on it now, we'll be okay. Yeah. You're going to be one of the staples. Yeah. And, uh, so we, we went all in uh, two cars, big team transporters, did yeah. whatever we could. Um, no big, uh, piles of money from BMW. Cause they thought of these as this is what I think anyway. They saw these cars as, wait, these aren't BMWs. They're yeah. two say, yeah, 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 yeah. With yeah. the exception of yeah. a motor. A sort of a general motor. Yeah, like, right. like no one else really yeah. saw it as their product. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Until we won. 
Yeah. Oh, oh. weird how that changed. Hey, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. And it, it wasn't like uh, they're only going to support you when you win, but it was like, well, wait a second. In a picture, no, how many people know that that's a tube frame with carbon around it? Of, of course, like not. an M3. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and you had a BMW factory driver driving? Yeah. Or like success? Yeah. Or our 1-3 finish at Road America um, was huge. Yeah. Like we, so we were all of a sudden we were being successful on these on these things, and we were we were successful against bigger funded right. programs. Right. Right. Um, American V8 programs. Factory. Factory. Yeah. Um, which was great. So I didn't I didn't know that that was a path to getting recognized from BMW sure. or getting some ears from BMW. And it's not BMW North America. It was more BMW Germany. Okay. Who were paying attention now on this kind of stuff and, like, realizing that, hey, Turner's got some success. Yeah. Like, you know, like all these years that we've been running BMWs, I've been running BMWs. Like, I would run BMWs anyway this whole time. Yeah, right. right. And I'd still run BMWs because I like the product. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, they, at the beginning, they were easy streetcars to make race cars. Um, now I'm stuck reputation well, with yeah, BMWs yeah, yeah, and exactly. the brand yeah. and selling parts for BMWs and yep. all this kind of stuff. But it's, uh, you know, when we moved through this GT class, which, again, was was definitely awkward because they're tube frame. They're not really BMWs. Right. They have a BMW motor and a BMW sticker on it, basically. Sticker, and that's, yeah, yeah. that's kind of it. Um, but it got a lot of attention because of the success and because the visibility mm -hmm. that um, Grand Am, Imps, whatever, yeah, right. soon-to-be IMSA, it happened. Um, then uh, Z4 yeah. Say, yeah. GT3. Well, yeah, then the series merged and Prep 2, two Ser frame cars are out the door. Yep. Right. Yeah. Series merged. Prep 2 doesn't make doesn't make sense anymore. Right. GT3 is going to be the future. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I had a hard time with that. you just because, invested all this into yeah, this. Yeah. And, and first it was these tube frames are going to be the future. Don't yeah. worry. They will not yeah. be obsolete. How could we make those obsolete? So and when someone's not telling you a GT3 car is the way, you're like, well, yeah. you said that yeah, about said that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And, and they're not cheap. They're not cheap, um, and the GT3 BMW was pretty much the underdog in the world of the probably world had the of best GT3. arrow and the worst straight line. Yeah, you so know, like, it had definitely the worst straight yeah, line. Yeah. It had great handling. Yeah, um, best sounding GT3 car. Best, history. best sounding. I think as an right? accurate driver, I will happily say that that yeah. car was the baddest ass sounding car. Yeah, and uh, we uh, we were on a roll. Um, Paul Delalana um, got a little taste of success with us, um, winning in the GS, in the GS car, then winning in some GT um, races, and now uh, we're switching categories to a GT3-based stuff. He sees the, the the whole platform in Europe, how it's working, and boom, I have a bunch of C4 GT3 cars at my shop. Yeah. And we're gonna we're gonna go nuts, <laughs> yeah. Right? right? We're gonna have we're gonna have a car. We're gonna have a spare car, yeah, for the spare parts. And then we're gonna have another spare car in case one of the cars gets damaged and we already stripped all the parts off of it. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But all of the eggs are in this one Canadian basket. All the eggs were in the Canadian basket, but eggs. the the way this it was kind of out of necessity in the point where. There is no parts for this car in the U.S. because nobody was racing. This. Yeah, I mean, there has to be a massive capital investment yeah. to be able to yeah. get all the stuff you need. We have to be the parts <clears throat> truck, 
right? So it's not like a bunch of teams are running this and there's a customer racing pro customer racing right. truck. There's, there's no BMW this, customer I was sports, a customer yeah. racing truck. And right. I didn't know what parts to buy as spares, so we bought another car because it would be less expensive. Yeah, it's no brainer. And it's one of the best things we did because um, that translated into a championship with that car. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, um, I put Dane Cameron on the yeah. map single-handedly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you probably the one that funded his Atlantic's. His Atlantic's single-handedly, career. or was it Jay? Was it you? I remember he. Uh, I remember he was racing Atlantic, so it was supposed to be the next IndyCar star. But that was. Probably after you gave him a GT3 ride. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. It was, it was all downhill. It was all downhill. Ten four. Yeah. He went yeah. down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You single-handedly called yeah. Roger Penske. Yeah. Well, we, we consulted. Okay. Yeah. You and RP. He was looking. Yeah. He was Cap, looking you got to look at this kid. Like, What's that, Will? Yeah. Willie Will T. What's yeah, that? There's like a hotline. So we had a couple things. We, we brought, uh, you know, we turned Marcus Paltawa from a silver to a platinum. So you ruined his career. <laughs> yes, you f***ed him, Robert. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> right? Dan Cameron, obviously, we got him a, a job with the captain. No, who's the uh, Mexican guy he drives with? Montoya? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. From Mexico, from Colombia, Mexico. <laughs> so, uh, so that kind of leads you into the current status where you guys are running. Yeah, there's GT3 stuff. You have GT3 car and you have a GS car as well. Um, and one of the questions I've had for you is like, you've, I mean, the list of drivers you've had, especially the last couple of years with the GT3 stuff, phenomenal. Yes. Is there a common trait you see amongst all these guys? Yeah, so I actually, when I prepped to meet with you guys, because I forget a lot of stuff because I'm not, you know, my brain, my hard drive is full, so you got to dump some stuff. You guys are out the the porn. Yeah, 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 I'm sure you're aware of that. Um, I was looking back, and I was looking way back, and um, I was like, wait, when was Randy Popest in my car? (laughs) And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that race. That's when we had a WeatherTech sticker on the car. When David McNeil sponsored me and never paid me. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Huh. So, uh, yeah. So, like, I've had, I've looked at the drivers, and I have, I have um, some drivers that, that were awesome on our team, but yeah. I forget about pretty, pretty quickly. Well, I mean, the list of guys is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Like, <laughs> all jokes aside about who you, who you discovered. I mean, when you think of, like. Between Bill Oberlin and Joey Hand and and, yeah. and Dane Cameron and Marcus and I mean, how many great guys have come through your yeah, program you one think, way or another you think of um of these guys that uh that used turner as kind of stepping stone to further their career i mean one name that's very understated today is justin marks right so justin drove for me and um i you know that was 12 years ago he started driving for me and i would put him in a car in a heartbeat now right I mean, this there's there's these the, like there's these Justins of the world that are still driving sports cars and still fast. I mean, even Matt Bell was in my car, yeah, and, Matt he, Bell. And, right. and he had a great GS. The American Matt Bell, the American yeah, Matt Bell, yeah, yeah. right? And you have between Boris, the old the old standby of Boris, <laughs> like you want the you want the guy to just come in and get the job done yeah, and right. not make any mistakes and have some fun. Yeah. I mean, we won races with Boris. You have everybody from Marco Whitman to uh, Maxime Martin, who are champions and stuff. Yeah. And DTM, DTM champions, guys, not yeah. to mention Farfus. Farfus yeah, and, right. And Jesse Crone, uh, yeah. BMW's latest. Does he go by ride. Jesse or Jesse? It's uh, it's. Does he go by Jesse? Jesse, he goes by Jesse. Yeah. Weird. So what's the what's the common trait amongst all these badasses? <sighs> um, besides Dane Cameron, huh. um, everybody else has really been a BMW 
person. Okay. Right? But that's not a trait that makes him a great it's race not a car trait, driver. But that's how that's how I narrow yeah, that's you. how I that my selection is narrow. They have to be a I factory driver. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah, you need to work for BMW, is yeah. what I'm telling you. Yeah. Well but is there a, is there a personality trait or a th- like a thing you noticed about their character that's all kind of similar, like every one of them would kill their own grandmother to get a win or something like that? Well, it's it's become uh it's become much more cutthroat the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, when oh, when you. Bill Arberlin first set um, his ass in our Sparco seat, mm-hmm. or it was an OMP seat, one of those. I'm not brand loyal for seats. Both great. <laughs> but when <laughs> uh, when Bill Arberlin first drove my car, you know, there wasn't a zillion superstar race car drivers yeah. as there are today. Yeah. This sport has changed, Stupid. like, yeah. s- ridiculously. Yeah. yeah. Um, when I, you know... I, when I started racing, I was I, I could drink. It was a drinking age, right? Yeah. When Jesse Crone started drinking, he was still on the boob. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, 100%. Wait, did I say drinking? Yeah, you Jesse's, meant racing, but it's the Jesse, same thing. When yeah. Jesse Crone started racing, he was on the boob. Right, right. Yeah. Like, literally, these guys now are, they're basically groomed to yeah. be race car drivers from zero. Get, yeah. And right. I, think, um, I think Dane Cameron was one of the first that I've had of that, mm-hmm. right? Certainly Bill Arberlin started kind of early, but he didn't start when he was three. Right, he wasn't go-karts for the yeah. big, yeah, right. But but Dane Cameron did, Yep. right? Yep. And um, these these guys, Jesse Crone did, these uh, Marco Whitman did, like these mm-hmm. guys now are, uh, right from the beginning, they're going to be race car drivers, sure. whether, whether right. they like yeah. it or not. And yeah. your personal decision to stop driving, was this a conscious choice or just sort of a natural, so, eh, there's no place for me? No, so I, so I won a championship and realized that um, I could make more money if I wasn't driving. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean make more money as a driver or anything, but I, but I've, I did. So I've done 200 races myself, mm-hmm. right? So I'm not saying I'm over racing because still I'm jealous of anybody getting putting their helmet on and getting yeah, the car. Right. I want to be that guy. But I also find uh, I find satisfaction from quarterbacking this whole thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. And you know, getting the crew together and thinking outside the box of how we can be better than the than the Bill Rileys or the Michael Shanks sure. or stuff, or how we can out strategize them, or how we can you know. Um, so I like the challenge of that now. So instead of the challenge of of beating people on the racetrack, I want to I want to beat people. Bill. Organizationally, organizationally, right, yeah. right, and quarterbacking this whole yeah. thing. It's just um, a new version of competition for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, to still we do this on what I call a shoestring budget. You know, like I'm still totally conscious of the dollars it costs, and I'm totally scared every time this year about if I can sustain this for next year. Yeah, right. Like, um, are my sponsors going to stay on? Yeah. Um, you know, is BMW going to still like me? Yeah, is right. BMW still going to race? Um, what drivers do I have? Um, all these kind of things. And are my, are my employees, are they still happy? Yeah. yeah. Right. So this, uh, this racing thing, like I've had the same core crew, um, working for me for at least 12 years now, Mm -hmm. like almost identical to the people that I bring to the racetrack. So you'll see the same guys and I hear the same complaints every weekend. (laughs) I know who's going to complain about what, but I also know who's going to. Uh, you know who's going to do what and who's going to contribute to the success and, yeah, who, right. and all yeah, my guys yeah. and everybody says the same thing about their race team they say my guys are the best and they're the best and blah, 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 right? Right, right, right but until you live with with an awesome crew like i have mm-hmm. 
and until you see it every day at the shop and you see they they just want to win and they don't want to do anything but win and yeah. they're disappointed when they don't win like <clears throat> that keeps me going and keeps us keeps us energized to keep trying to have successes in the stuff right and now concurrently you're building this parts business <clears throat> yeah on as you know it's in parallel and it's growing and growing and growing so in 2015 you finally hit a point where you sell that part of the business yeah. off but you keep towing a return motorsport yep awesome so in uh, in twenty in twenty fifteen, after just coming off a championship in twenty fourteen, right? You're on a high. You like you won that a racing great. championship, yeah. and and it's not like we won that racing championship because we were dominant in any one area, yeah, right? right? And after running this parts business and growing this parts business to become a real business, um, there's I, I was spread too thin, right? right? So I'm trying to run a successful race team. I'm running a service shop where we fix BMWs and people send us their BMWs from all over the, the country yeah. to uh, fix and modify and make better. Um, and then the parts business, um, we had, I had 53 employees. Oh, geez. And yeah. I'm single-handedly trying to organize and run all this, and I've been doing this for a long time. Um, and uh, I came, uh, I got uh, approached um, by a bigger company that said, hey, are you thinking about diversifying or selling or mm-hmm. we might be interested li- at least listen to us right and uh i listened to them and they told me all the right things they said look I, we see you're kind of stuck where you are now you want to take this to the next level you got to join us mm-hmm. and we can do it um and basically i was sold on the fact that they're going to take turner motorsport to the next level and um we joined a bigger company and uh, it's private equity and they joined another company they added some bolt-ons so now um the whole entity yeah (laughs) the whole entity is a is a dominant force in the european car parts yeah yeah for the u.s um and the it's uh you know i i don't know how we're gonna do because i you know i still have some equity in this whole thing right i don't know how we're gonna do till they sell that to the next vc people that are gonna maybe sell to amazon who knows what's gonna happen right but i do know that um you know that everything's been successful. Part sales have been up. Right. I like to say it's because a race team has been successful in winning right. races, so the parts go. But yeah, it's right. probably not the case. Probably <laughs> right. they don't even care. But <laughs> so you're still but, involved in the day to day of the parts business, but the ownership is. Yeah, is I'm, not, I'm not really involved day to day. Okay. Um, I'm concentrating on making sure that the guys in my service shop have cars to fix and yeah. modify. Okay. Um, and that's and part of the buyout was the service shop. Just that's mine. I kept, oh, that's I, kept okay. I kept the service shop, okay. and then I'm assuming and you use Turner Parts for the cars. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So it all feeds the seller yeah, yeah. and i kept the racing so we'll, okay. we'll so those are still entirely your deal yeah. yeah yeah and we're doing a lot of cool stuff at the shop mm-hmm. we have this uh turn of corn what turn of corn the turn of corn i seriously don't know what this is yeah no, so that, that's jay's uh name that he came up for this project we're taking so. an e46 m3 and we're trans e46 m3 streetcar yeah, yeah and we're transplanting an s65 which is an oh, e90 okay. yeah, v8 yeah, yeah. 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 motor into it a lot of people have done it. Obviously, BMW did it with a GTR, yeah, but right. a lot of people have done this conversion. But we're going to try to make the ultimate um, streetcar, mm-hmm. like the factory would have built, yeah. um, because we have all the uh, we have all the ingredients all the at the yeah, shop. Right. Right? Yeah, yeah. We we have all the experts and expertise and have done all this yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. We should be able to make the best one. Cool. Sure. We'll see if that how that turns out. We do a pass along question where we have a previous guest ask a question of the next guest and so on and so forth. So we had lunch today, just a few hours down the road. It seemed like three weeks ago. It does. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Rob Dyson for Will Turner. How did you handle getting out of the car and becoming a car owner? 
what considerations did you come up with to get out of the get out of the seat yeah that's a great question so um i really uh i really struggled with when i would stop full-time racing mm -hmm. Because again, that's all I wanted to do from the beginning was to race and be yeah. competitive. And once you taste the, once you get the bug, and you want to win races, um, there's nothing else like it. You'll do yeah. anything yeah. to win a race or to be in a race. Um, but when you win a championship and there's a chance that you say to yourself, you're like, hmm, I don't know if I can win another one. <laughs> like, I don't know if I can win another championship. Uh, I kind of thought to myself, like, why not go out on top? Right. Yeah, so yeah. if I stop full-time professional racing after I win a championship, yeah, that's that's a good that's a yeah, good way to go. A good out. way to go. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that was really uh, that that really winning the championship made it kind of easy. Yeah. And then again, to 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 go into the next part of uh, of my journey to be the quarterback and run this, I can be just just as successful and be just as rewarded winning championships with other, other drivers because I'm a part of it. Yeah. So uh, our next guest is actually David Kamer, who is a sort of the titan of motorsport video games and especially now iRacing. Um, if you could ask one question of him, what would it be? Well, are you into any of this stuff? I am. The, uh, yes and no. So, <laughs> so we have iRacing, we have iRacing at my shop yeah. and I'm, Definitely not patient enough for iRacing, right? Um, so when I'm when I get into that and I get into RZ4 because RZ4 was modeled on it. Oh, was it? Yeah, that makes sense. You're local, and it's a yeah. it's a Turner car, and there's a yeah. there's a yellow and blue guy in the side and the pits yeah, right, and stuff. Right, and yeah. but, uh, what happens to me is that I push it too hard because I know I'm not going to have to pay for the damages. Sure, sure, <laughs> right, right. So yeah. I can I can Free. go I can go 20 miles. 20 miles an hour faster up the uphill at Lime Rock than yeah, I should because yeah. I'm not going to have to yeah, pay for it. Yeah, right, right, right. Right. yeah. yeah. Um, But your question. I guess my question, does that have to be a serious question? No, no it's actually quite the opposite. <laughs> yeah. If it relates to the crashing. So you build iRacing and it's this, this amazing simulator that takes into account a lot of different things and is super realistic. And uh, in fact, I think um, a couple of my drivers that I had... Um, Marcus and Jesse, I think when they came to drive my car for mm -hmm. the first time at tracks that they haven't been in, right. they were on the simulator, but not just for hours. They were in the simulator for days yeah, right. and eye racing and yeah. stuff to do this stuff. And they got to the track and they, they were up to, to speed yeah, in right one right or two away. laps, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. So obviously um, when using that as a tool is huge. Yeah. Um, we've had eye racing in our shop since the beginning because they are Boston yeah, yeah, right. based. Yeah. Right. Um, they were kind enough to set us up at the beginning of all this oh, stuff nice. and yeah. say that this is going to be the future of racing. Yeah, and this is yeah, yeah. Scan your car, so yeah. Yeah, so um, that that's awesome. I, I guess, um, I mean, when is it going to be, and my question is, when is it going to be that you put the iRacers and integrate them with the real race that's on TV? So in other words, when are we going to have real-time feedback where the car that is, it spins in one in real life is spinning in it? No, like... You should be able to have, by all, by soon, you should be able to have the iRacing car be able to compete with the guys that are really doing like this. Like real time. Yeah. Real time, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. So so you line up at Lime Rock yeah. at the start of the race, and you got your sim, mm -hmm. and, and all these all other guys, time. all the data yeah. 
is there from what they're actually doing. It does. I, I don't mean you have to render the car, but you got their data. No, but you right. can. I mean, I mean that's actually how it's done in the virtual world already. Because basically, when you're racing another car, you're not racing right. that. You're racing those plot points yeah. as they go around. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a fair. So question. when we put in the plot points from from the from racetrack the onto the eye racing, because that's going to set the. Then you're really racing against cars. The Lime Rock race starts at one, and you yourself can be in that race. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. right. Yeah. So then uh, we're going to sit down with RJ Valentine. Ah, yeah. My buddy RJ. Um, I'm sorry, what? Hmm. What was his name? RJ. RJ, who's one of my favorite people in the world. So, any good questions? Yes, he's our next guest. He's not our next guest, but I know you guys have gone to dinner a million times since you're, well, he's in Boston. You're in New Hampshire. Right. You guys are state buddies. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not exactly neighbors, but. Yeah, so, um, you know, RJ is uh, a character, as you guys know. Yep. <laughs> he won the uh, Daytona 500, as Big you win, know. Correct. Big win, correct, yes. Yeah, yes, yes. Dale Earnhardt. Yeah. RJ. Um, RJ um, was, um, you know, he was a guy that had an unofficial rule named after him. Yeah, that's right. Yes, he did. The RJ yeah. rule, yeah. which actually kind of hurt <laughs> a lot of uh, – a lot of gentlemen drivers, um, yeah. and uh, well, a lot of actually hurt a hurt some money uh, that carried on pre rule or post rule. Well, if you still had the RJ rule, I think there'd be some more big dollars and in for at least the first lap of the Daytona 500. 500, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah right, right, yeah, yeah. right. If you know what I mean, I yeah. know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So, um, no, but in, uh, yeah. Um. Yeah, Arch. So I just if there's something yeah. we can anonymously ask the Daytona 500. The Daytona 500. <laughs> Everybody's gonna, like every, yeah. That's going to be the big question of For how sure. it felt to win the day, Daytona yeah. 500. Right. I mean, be on that can, list. Of like, legends. Can you please? We talked about a little earlier. I would like this on air. Uh, yeah. Can you please tell us about the cell phone? Yeah. So. Because yeah. <laughs> this has been verified by his. Uh, yeah. His, so uh, I don't. Left I don't. Woman. Do you not want this to be your name? Because no, I can tell the story no, to him can, without a term. It could totally be my Phil name. Turner. But yeah, he's and to be clear, this is, this is a guy who's from a very different era than today. Yes, grew yeah, up in. Yeah, got to sell it. The very tough in Brockton. Yep, Brockton. Yep, the very is. tough parts of Southern Boston. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so he he may have uh, left his cell phone um, back in the bunch of years ago now yeah, yeah. as he went uh, to the pizza when yeah when yeah. he went to uh pee which he actually pees every five or six minutes so he he's he leaves the, the phone on there also right? not afraid to do it in front of people no yeah. no he okay. if, if we weren't in this little private room uh where it was tight quarters he might have just done it right there yeah, yeah. i've seen this yeah. Yeah. in front but of he, political figures he may have left his phone on there and you know at that time he really didn't know how to use his phone so um, I decided that it would be a good idea yeah. to diversify him in his yeah. educate uh, him in yeah educated in gay porn yeah okay right so right? his home right. screen of his phone yeah so I think I made his lock screen his lock screen his and lock his screen. home screen yeah yeah um, a certain Was picture a couple of guys wrestling a couple guys wrestling yeah. oh okay yeah. yeah so this is male gay porn yeah, yeah and uh, he came back from the restroom we all paid the bill and. Uh, Walking out, all of a sudden, I heard him scream, <laughs> and it was like immediately. It was like Turner, <laughs> and I and I drove off. Yeah, right, yeah, as, as you, you should. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I got a call from him, and I said, "I don't know what you're talking about," <laughs> and he said something like, "Turner, you f- <laughs> how do I get this off my goddamn phone?" And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And yeah. I might have hung up. Right. Yep. Right. Yep. And then 
20 seconds later, he said, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to have to wake up Karen to yeah. have her help me so, get this shit off my phone. Karen is sort of his left-hand woman, and Karen's not an assistant. Karen is a very busy person who actually like runs a lot up, of the day-to-day yeah. right, of RJ's right, businesses. Right. Yes. It's like midnight, and this poor woman <laughs> has to like, hear. This can wait till tomorrow. Right. They're going to see each other at 9 the next day. Yeah. But nope, it's got to get solved right there. Yeah. God bless you. So that, God bless that you. That worked. We and, don't even need to pass along. That's perfect. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, um, yeah, so to this day at these dinners, I kind of uh, – Pull, to kind of tug yeah. RJ and kind of yeah. kind of mess with them all out right. and stuff. So, so the question uh, is, do you yeah. still leave your phone out? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So if we get a hold of this phone, we should text you right away. Oh, you should definitely. We should be yeah. armed. Okay. Definitely yeah. We'll do that. Grab, we can handle definitely that. Definitely got to grab his phone. Yeah. So I know we have to go because these yeah. guys are cleaned up. Poor However, guys are like yeah, and I, and I apologize, but this is actually a truly important question. Um, not a joke. Um, in in a hundred something episodes, you're actually our first true. Well, I guess Mike Shank too. Um, mm-hmm. Your second true customer team owner um and you and i don't know each other very well bill Riley. and bill Riley. Oh, <laughs> okay third <laughs> true customer team hey, owner. Among greats. um and it's not like you and i know each other well but having you know with my business having worked with a ton of customer teams i can vouch for how nearly impossible it is driver rankings were meant to protect you guys mm-hmm. right the theory is you can sell a seat a lot easier because you can sell this you can you know you when i look at your sort of AMs over the last few years, you've had yeah. guys like Don Yount or Brett Curtis. Yeah. Theoretically, it's easier to tell them, no, no, no you're only competing against other yes. AMs. Right. And it's the only way to make this size of a check that they have to write these days that much more palpable. Yep. Um, so if it's for you, what do you think of it? Um, okay, so the system is not perfect. It has the right intent. Um, so what, what needs to be is you need to show value to the guys that are paying for this, right? So it's very simply put, if you're paying, if you're writing a huge check to race, you want to have a chance to win. If everybody's on the same page as far as um, the guys that are writing the checks are similar in talent, everybody has a chance to win, right? That's the, that's mm-hmm. how it, the, the textbook, the that's the theory behind right. it, Right. Um, it's not perfect because there's going to be, there's going to be ways like in racing, you want to find any way around the rule or any kind of, uh, yeah, any kind of advantage. Right. And that's what, that's what's going to happen with the silver rule of this stuff. People are going to find advantages. Now, 2014, when I had Marcus Peltala and Dane Cameron, in the yeah. car, right. I, not intentionally, I kind of set this ball rolling with a th- the fake silver thing. Yeah. That wasn't my intent from the beginning. Well, your intention was to win. Well, no. Well, actually, it was to win. I wanted to win. Initially, you are saying Paul Dallalana. I had, I had Paul Dallalana yeah. and Dane Cameron. Yeah. Right. And then when Paul changed uh, over to do some other stuff, yeah. I didn't have anybody um, as yeah, my I, silver. I guess we didn't explain that. So Paul underwrote so much of the acquisition of the stuff you had for 2014, yeah. Yeah. and then he... Sw- he switched Change, series. Changed Switch brands. Yeah, he, yeah. He, brands. He, he went to another program. Yeah. There you um, go. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, but, he, but he's a good dude, and, and he... And he, he said, he said, Will, like, he said, I'm Will, I'm vested in all this, and he's like, we got to find somebody to take my spot. Yeah, he's right. like, I'll come back for a race or two, and yeah. he did. Yeah. Um, and I said to BMW, I said, hey, who's your you fastest silver that you'd recommend? And they said, Marcus Peltala. Yeah. 
and legitimately he came in and I mean he wasn't as fast as Dane Cameron. Right. Um, no one is. But but no one is. The other yeah. silvers he stacked up against. The other silvers he stacked up against. There was only one or two that were were at the quality of that. Right. So he was my he was the the unintentional fake silver right. of this rule. But since fourteen to now, there are way more fake silvers. Right. Yeah. Right. So so getting to the the current status. The current status yeah. is there's still fake silvers. Yeah. Although it, they're not as blatant fake silvers. Yeah, um, like Spencer. They're they're still around. Um, I don't know how to police it better than you know. My th- I think about this all the time. I'm like, why don't we have a vote from all the competitors? That's what I said from right? the get go. So you're saying so, you put you and John Bill Potter. Riley and John Potter and Mike Shank and Giacomo <laughs> yeah. Mattioli and yeah. say this guy, this guy, this guy. You good with him? You good with him? Because yeah. then you, no one's going to let someone else get away with something. Right. Is the entire my do, point this whole time yeah. has been to do that. Now, do you think you wouldn't <laughs> let Potter get away with something? Right. right. You'd be like, yeah. no, no, that's not fair. Yeah. Do you think if you I can could... get unanimous consent on a lot of guys? Uh, sometimes I think yes. Sometimes I think no. But the, 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 the problem is if we don't, okay? If so let's just, let's, just, let's just look at, at what has happened this season. Mm-hmm. There seems to be a team that has Don't hesitate. been doing very well. Say whatever you want. It's, I'm not going to do Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. it's hard to not defend. What and is that is that team? Are those two drivers going? Are those two drivers going to be both silvers next year? Yeah. I understand. We. Right. I understand what well, you're saying. How about how about this? Uh, are those drivers paying for that car to run? Is that helping the series? What's going to happen next year when that manufacturer that's funding that says thanks? We had a great time. Yeah. So well, but you've already pissed off six real paying customers. Yeah. So there shouldn't. So there shouldn't be manufacturers funding. Yeah, that's it's going to be hard to regulate. Though. Hard to regulate, yeah. right? There shouldn't be fake silvers. Um, but, but from a team owner standpoint, I've struggled with this for years when my gentleman drivers say, what's the point? How am I going to compete against a pro, a fake silver? Yeah. Like what Which reward is it? Point of this, right? And that's why, look at, look at World Challenge. Everybody gets a trophy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Currently, yeah. Right? Currently, yes. But it's less expensive. And... A lot of ways, it's more rewarding because everybody gets a trophy doesn't mean you're finishing last. Right, right, right. Right? You can legitimately have all the intentions and be a, a, a very stout gentleman driver, silver and IMSA right now, finish last. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So so my, my personal contention with driver rankings is I don't think it's a solvable problem, so therefore we just shouldn't have them. Yeah, right. Because um, I do love the intent. I just don't think it, yeah, it works. Yeah, it's not being put in But place. you truly believe if we that there's enough harmony among all the GTD team owners that you could generally come up with a unanimous yes. decision on yeah, because, all silvers. Because what the, the alternative I'm tell- is GTD is going to go away. Oh, I agree with that. Well, it's going to yeah. happen no matter what. Well, so here's question number two then. Um, so, again, a, a Don Yonder, a Brett Curtis. Yep. Um, so to do a full season of, of properly run GTD, you might disagree with this number, but I'm going to throw out there it's about three plus, um, give or take. And yeah, so that's, no, I, I would say a lot less than three. Okay. I would mm-hmm. say more to the two. Okay, a lot of people might disagree with you on that. Um, yeah. But you, you know your bills, I don't. So You don't know. Um, yeah. Thank <laughs> 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 you. Uh, I may work with people who may disagree with that number. That's um, right. yep. um, so fine. But but my point is, two million versus say Grand Am ten years ago, which yeah. was closer to one to one point five. Yeah. Um, is it a lot easier to sell Brett Curtis or Don Yana finishing tenth, knowing it's a smaller check? 
you know what? These guys, these guys are competitive. They want to win. The guys that I have experienced want to win. It's not about driving around for a lesser amount of money. It's about is the money they're spending, uh, is the value, is there value there to be able to win? Right. right. But does this two to three plus threshold that we're now under, does that narrow the pool that you maybe not? Oh, of course, of course it narrows. Of course it narrows. Of course it narrows the pool, but it, it just, it just makes the problem worse. The more expensive it is and the less chance you have to win, it's, it's a bigger risk of that thing. But I, I don't think, I don't think, um, I don't think even if it was a million bucks and you were going to finish last every time, the, you, these guys, like the guys that we're talking about, the gentleman drivers that don't do this professionally, right? Yeah. And I'm just not, I'm not just saying the rich guys that want to just go have fun and be a race car driver. Right. I'm saying the guys that well, legitimately are guys who made their millions by yeah, being competitive businessmen. And they're smart, businessmen. and they want and they want yeah. to get value out of stuff. You don't want to do this for not having the value, and the value is 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 clearly to be able to win. Right. That's why you're racing to win. It's not yeah. driving around following somebody. I know there's, this is not a simple answer, but a two minute or less kind of answer. We're probably under heavier homologation now than we've ever been yes. in, in GT racing. Yes. Is that making it more expensive or less? So the th- obviously we know that making, doing the homologation is supposed to make it less expensive in the long run. It's, definitely not making it less expensive because you have to buy all your parts right. from the manufacturer. Yep. There's no competition. So what's the one rule of right. the world of the economy is that competition, competition drives, drives down, prices down, right? This is There's no competition. There's no price driving down. You can't even, I can't even buy a, the same rotor that comes on my car. Yeah. I can't buy from the manufacturer makes for $800 a corner less yeah. who yeah. makes it. I can't get sponsorship right. from somebody who doesn't who's make to put the their part, brake kit right? out or whatever. What, what the homologation does is it makes it easier on the sanctioning bodies to reinforce the rules. Right. It makes easier for the manufacturers to make mega money yeah. back on the guys they just sold the car for mega yeah. money yeah. to support any kind of support that they do. It's a vicious cycle. Yeah. It makes it makes it makes sense from one standpoint, but it makes no sense right. from right. another standpoint. And we're in a sport that is literally bleeding interest right. and prices are going up. I mean yeah. basically the, the two reasons to do it would be it allows a manufacturer to justify that they're bringing a lot of money back so it keeps more manufacturers involved. And then part two is to your point, um if you say, no, 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 we can refabricate this piece on our own, how are they going to know you're not creating a performance enhancement in that process? Therefore, they can enforce the rules. Yes. But my problem with the level of homologation that, that out there now is that we're putting the cost, you know, and I don't care if it's sports car or IndyCar car or yeah. whatever, we're yeah. putting the cost burden onto the the entities that are the least equipped to yeah, deal right. with the funding. Right. You know what right. I mean? Right. Yep. Yeah. So anyway. No, you're, you're exactly right on the GT and the homologation well, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like, so it's more expensive... Because you can't just make your own. Well, well you, can't, you can't. You can't. You could have a wheel partner. Yeah. You know, that's giving you wheels. A wheel partner, a brake partner, yeah, a brake right. pad, a spring partner, right. a shock partner. Yeah. Sorry, right. can't. Yeah. Uh-uh. You're like those guys are giving us hundreds of thousands of dollars in parts that we can't. They just have went now. away. Yeah, gone. Went away. Yeah. Like I, I, I have deals that have they've said to me, I would happily sponsor you. Yeah. But if you can't use my stuff, like, right? Look at my Borla. My Borla went away. Yeah. Right. I had yeah. Borla for twelve years. Yeah. Those guys were great. Huge company. They, they promoted us. They are their stuff work. When they promote you, they're promoting the series. Yeah, the car that runs in the series. Yeah. Now, can, now, yeah, can't use their stuff. Can't yeah. do it. So, so you know who we are. You'd only listened to one episode before. To leave the Will Turner legacy behind for this show, what would you hope that somebody would take away from this? 
Uh, I would hope, well, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, a lot of people have misconceptions about who I am and mm-hmm. where I came from and how I did all this. Right. Like you told me tonight that you thought I had a uh, McLaren F1. Well, Chad Gilsinger thought you did. All right. But, but he, he kind of bought it. He just it. knew you had a McLaren. No, I didn't. I was like, that's too much money. Because oh, even yeah, if you yeah. sold your company for like, let's call it $10 million. Yeah. That, that's I like. I could buy a half of one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no. So I, I think, I think um, again, I, there's a good life lesson in all this stuff. Um, I had kind of a, I didn't have a plan to do this, but I kind of had a dream to, um, follow my dream. Right. I knew at an early age that I wanted to drive things fast, motorized vehicles fast. I figured out how to do it on my own. I figured out as you, um, started doing more and more, you needed money to do this. So I figured out a way to get money legally, not illegally. Um, and you know, it's, it's one of those things never give up because there's been years and, and the racing is super cyclical. So people listening to this, um, you know, you look at Turner Motorsport and you look at the team and it looks like it's all been great and they're this great team and they get help from BMW and, and, um, you know, Will Turner's loaded from selling all these parts and he can just fund it. And I'm sitting on, sitting on the beach in Corona's when I'm not racing, but that's not the real, the real story. Um, I worked super hard for 20 years. Um, I still work hard, maybe not super hard like my crew does. My crew works super hard. I have great people. You're only as good as the people that you surround yourself with. Um, it's important to surround yourself with the best. And if they're not the best now, make sure they're, they're going to be the best in the future. Um, and, you know, again, it's, it's, it's like a cliche, but never give up. But you can't give up and you can definitely do it kind of shoot for your dreams type thing. Um, but you also need a little luck along the way. And, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of hurdles and roadblocks. Um, and racing today is not what it started with. Um, like it used to be racing today. There's a lot more to it. Um, and you got some great drivers and some great teams and I can only imagine what it's going to be like in 10 more years or 15 more years. Cause we're, uh, I think we're on the cusp of a lot of changes and stuff. All right. Connell's got the check. I'm finished. And that was dinner with William Turner eating, guess what? Tacos with cheese, Jay. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll close this one out by giving a special thank you to a few folks who really wanted this episode to happen. Mr. Chris Jerkovitz, John Litton, Noah Brownsey, and Ray Oktar, who all recommended William P. Turner. I don't know if he's his middle name, but it is now. Uh, we're going to close this out with Here We Are Now by Hun. You can find it on musicbed.com.
sisters.